0: Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. Today we're taking a uh, what I'd consider a more scientific route. I've stopped off with the lovely folks from Turbonetics. Well, I hope they're lovely, since I've only met one of them so far. The other one I've met seems much nicer, though, and he's going to be up first talking. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Cox, it's uh, you. I, you told me you were like the engineering director. Is that correct? That's that, that's correct. That's that's what you said. It was on your business card, right? Yes, that's what's on my business card. So. So with that being the case, and with you being under such high pressure now that I've got you here in this darkened room, well, illuminated at least, well, half the room is. Partially. Yeah. Um, so how, how did you get to become uh, this role here at Turbin Index? What sort of, where did this come from in this path in life? How did you end up here? Yeah, how, how far
1: back do we go? we go? We can go back before the Big Bang. I mean, I'm happy to go back before then. <laughs> All right, let me see. We could go back to my, so my ancestors threw tea off of the into the Boston Harbor. We could okay. start. We could start there. All right, that's that's a good one. Because obviously, not. I mean, that keeps the rivalry up now with it me doesn't. being with the famous tea drinker. Here. <laughs> yes, you know, I think it's you know, you know, it's because I, I have I have two young kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you um, kind of show your aptitude or your interest towards things, very, you know, very 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 early on. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, you know I, I just I, you know I had an interest in mechanical things from a kind of a, a you know very a very early age. Okay. Um, so you know, in looking at like my kids, I could see my you know my son is you know like, you know very very similar my wife sees him doing things. She's like, oh, don't let him be an engineer. Yeah. Um, and you're like, yes, be an engineer. And I'm like, oh, this engineer. is awesome. This is the baddest yeah. thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because my wife thinks there's some social retardation that goes along with with the engineering, so I think that, uh, that worries her a little I bit. I think that's a bit mean. <laughs> a little, a little bit. Um, but anyways, I think you know it's kind of you know like you know as a kid I was you know into you know building remote control cars and that kind of thing and then that's what what size what size remote control cars were building? These were you know one one tenth scale. Okay. Like you know a you know a team team associated RC ten was the you know kind of what 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 I got started with. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, brother and I were you know racing those at a dirt track and kind of that's I think kind of started the. You know, interest in things that are mechanical yeah, um, in, in competition. And then who so do would you like to say now that you were better than your brother? Oh, well he's not here,
0: so yes. So it's exactly. very dominating. Mean, he, he, <laughs> he, he can't defend, defend himself, exactly. No. So this is where he could take full credit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you just build him up and then you just beat him, and put him in his place, right? Uh,
1: since he's not here, yes. Exactly. Exactly. But um actually we were you know, it's you know, very, very similar and very different in a, lot, in a lot of ways, the two of us, but yeah, we're pretty, pretty competitive, and I mean, to be, to be honest, I mean, he, I had my days, I mean, you know, he may have had more of his days. Oh, but. okay,
0: so, uh, so, let's, so, where did they go then from uh, building and racing the RC cars?
1: Where was the next step from there? Uh, you know, and some of it I've got to have to credit with my dad. To okay. my dad, growing up, it was you know, because we got into you know riding dirt bikes, mm-hmm. um, gr- growing up, and you know, I had I had friends where their parents they kind of went out and they you know got, got the newest flashiest thing that you know, um, you know Yamaha or Honda may have been offering, and my, my dad took a different approach, and he'd he'd find the most beat up thing that you know it couldn't be running. That was part of the criteria. it okay. cannot be running so you know my friends you know brand new thing bikes that show fire up on one kick and I get the the bike with cobwebs and but you know to get it running you know we had you know tear the engine down and you know in junior high you know so my dad and I you know tear the engine down get the engine rebuilt, get the bike up and running but you know at the end of this you know I'm upset I'm like why can't I just get something new like all my friends but you know, pretty quickly I realized. Oh wait, but I'm the only one of my friends that know how any of this works and, yeah, and could fix can it. actually fix it. And then when we're you know out in the desert and something goes sideways, you know, I'm the one that could, you know, you know, take the carburetor apart and you know. So it's which is generally the best place to take a carburetor apart, right? The middle it, of the desert. If you're going to do engine rebuilding, I would definitely re- recommend high desert, especially yeah, if we when it's windy. That's, yeah. Yeah. it's like perfect like in the middle of the day like between say 10 and 2 it's like a clean room yeah At the sandstorm it's
0: it just takes all it works out it takes all blows all the cobwebs yeah. out you
1: might say yeah if you're wanting to yeah seat your rings that's the best way a little bit of, a little bit of dirt in the oil the, the dirt's never hurt dirt and sand
0: and grits never hurt
1: any engine right when you take it <laughs> no so um so what so that was like junior high then yeah, I would say that's yeah, junior high, kind of, you know, uh, maybe kind of, yeah, seventh grade-ish, you know, getting into the RC cars, and then later, you know, later, you know, eighth, ninth grade, kind of get starting to get into motorcycles a little bit.
0: And so then where did you, did you push your schooling in any direction then at that point when you're like were going through i mean where what's, what was you like Did, was this when you knew were wanting
1: to be more on the engineering front you, you know what was it was interesting it was um I think my grandmother I, identified it really early on this was you know probably when i 'm like i don't know six six years old you know we were playing with tinker toys, and i kind of made this little car with a you know ru- with a rubber band and mm-hmm. it was like a rubber band powered Tinker toy car when i when I was I don't know, six and it's interesting when I when I started an engineering program that, like there's just the, your engineering, you know, introduction to engineering. Like that's actually a project in this course is to make a rubber band powered little little race car. That so you're saying with. like
0: you were the Doogie Howser of the the engineering front then? Oh no, def, definitely
1: not. But <laughs> <laughs> but I was making attempts at it when I was yeah, kind of six years six, six years old. And I remember it's it's interesting the things that stick in your memory. And that was one of them growing up, was my grandmother saying, oh, he's going to be an engineer when I'm six years old. And, you know, I don't know if, you know, that little, you know, statement stuck with me and I just went that because my grandma said I was going to do that or, yeah. And then, so where did you go to college then? Uh, Cal Cal Poly Pomona. So I, yeah, I pursued, yeah, mechanical engineering um, at, at, at Cal Poly. Okay. And then, so where did, so after, like, completing the degree, and then where did that take you then from there? Oh, it's interesting. So, um... Yeah, so Cal Poly they had this uh, program it was called an engineering interdisciplinary clinic, and they so as part of your um, engineering program, you, know, you have to do a senior project. Mm-hmm. And one of the mechanisms that they had set up to do it was you could do a team senior project, like doing an actual like a you know kind of a significant project with industry. Um, and uh, it was Allied Signal at the time, but it was uh, Garrett was their their business unit, and uh, so Garrett um, was was working with Cal Poly on a. Interstage test system for turbochargers. Okay, um, and so it was. You know, there was there's Aerojet. You know, a bunch of other companies were doing projects with Cal Poly, and it, mm-hmm. was, it was kind of like applying for a job. So you would you, you would apply, and there was a you know application and selection process. Um, and and uh, I found this just because I was walking to the cafeteria a different way one day. It, oh, it's cool. I was so I was going to get something to eat. Okay, so
0: we basically a whole career trajectory changed because you were hungry. Yes. Well, look, it's like the stars (laughs) aligned, right, at that point when you're looking back. Hopefully it's been a good
1: career. That's what I guess we've got to think now. Yeah, I think looking back on life, I think life is pretty random. Yeah. I mean, there are a, a couple of, you know, very small things. It's, but do you, do you remember what you were going to get for lunch then or
0: what you did eat for lunch after you saw the sign? Or did you not get any lunch because you were like, I'm going to apply for this immediately?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's all hazy. That part of it's pretty pretty hazy. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was just I walked a different way and then I saw I saw the advertisement for this, you know, for, for this way to do the senior project. I'm like, oh, great. My senior project was chosen for me. I don't have to think too much about it. I'm going to apply and do this. Um, yeah, so I ended up, you know, d- you know, getting selected on and placed on the the team with Garrett Turbocharging, and um, yeah, and then after that that program was done, I, you know, reached out to the guy that I was working with at Garrett and um, said, Hey, I'm graduating. He said, Well, the timing's good, and you know, and I ended up, yeah, working for yeah Garrett after 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 college. You know. So, what was the first job that you were doing then at Garrett? Oh, I hired, hired in, it was uh, transportation and power systems at the time, and they were developing a 75-kilowatt microturbine generator. Oh, okay. So that, um, yeah, ran on, on air bearings. Uh, so, yeah, my, my part of that was I, was I was the guy that was, you know, fresh out of school, you think you know everything, but you really don't know anything. Um, so I came out of school thinking I knew everything and realized I didn't know anything. Um, but How I, quickly did you realize that? Or did any one of the other team members help you in realizing that? or? Well you know it's the, so the the person that hired me and he told me that in the next six months that i would I would learn more than I learned in the past um, four years in college and he was he was pretty much, pretty much on the money there um, but what was interesting, so I hired in yeah thinking everything but is a you know very small role is what I was supposed to do. I was just supposed to be the guy that ordered some valves and did, did some hardware, um, and then there was another guy doing automation and controls, and like he was really the guy running the show, um, but then he got promoted. And then there's this kid, you know, that's just graduated from college that is starting to realize he doesn't know anything, um, is now tasked with managing this this whole thing. So I was, you know, put into a sink or swim position pretty, pretty quick. And uh, luckily some things came together and it and ended up working. Well, that's good then, right? See yeah. Some more random
0: things pulling yeah. together
1: for you. Yeah. So then how long were you at Garrett for then? Ah, uh, so that was about five, five years. Okay. And,
0: and then what other projects did you work on with Garrett during that time?
1: It was interesting. So I hired into their lab doing automation and controls, mm-hmm. um, which it, it was interesting when I, and and then I moved into the product development group and I I worked on a, some uh, variable geometry turbochargers that we uh, launched with uh, on the Ford Power Stroke and the, the GM Duramax uh, diesel application. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when you're you know you're in this big conglomerate, in this huge company, and you're 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 thinking that's where you want to be. Um, and I remember when I was interviewing for those positions, the, the director at the time was it kind of felt like he was trying to talk me out of it. Because he he'd worked in the lab earlier in his, early in his career. And was telling me, he's like, you know what, those are, looking back, those are some of the best, best you know, the most enjoyable times of, you know, my, my working life. And, yeah, it, but anyways, yes, yeah, so I moved out of lab and went into kind of product development and.
0: And then, so what are the products
1: you worked on then? Yeah, so those were the variable geometry okay, yeah, turbochargers.
0: Yeah. And then, so where did that take you then post Garrett? Well, where, where did that lead you then post Garrett?
1: Yeah, and then this goes into maybe more more random chance. That's where I think. Yeah, life is random. It was, and then there was a decision. I had a, you know, I was I, I was busy one night, but I had a a, a friend. It, it was a friend's birthday, and they were going out to a bar. So they so they were out at a bar. Um, this kind of you know predates me working at Garrett a little bit, but um. Says hey hey we're out you got to come and me. us like no I've got, I've got some stuff I've got to do tonight he's like no no it's it's uh, you know it's my it's it's my birthday oh, I'm like oh crap it's your birthday tonight so okay I'll I'll go out and meet you guys but anyways, um ended up meeting a girl um, that 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 night when we were at the bar um and and then that changed the course of my life, quite quite a bit so there was a little bit of disconnect it was you know not person wasn't wasn't too interested in yeah, living around where Garrett was and kind of a couple things together, being a little overstressed over, a, you know, a product launch with General Motors. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then kind of some influence from, you know, this other person to live a little bit, you know, yeah, live somewhere else and then going on a vacation and then kind of seeing how her family lived and saying, oh, maybe there's another way to live. So he ended up, yeah, yeah, moving, yeah, moving somewhere else kind of from, yeah, the, yeah, this girl's influence. So where did that move you to then? Yeah, and that landed me from career wise. Then I ended up working at Gale Banks Engineering. Okay. If 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 you're familiar with them, but they're they're pretty you know pretty dominant force in the um um you know the in the in the diesel performance world. And and then what was your focus on in that role? Yeah, so that was product development. It's interesting because um yeah, banks they're they're involved involved in all kinds of cool things. I mean, it really is pretty incredible if you if you walk walk through their shop. Mm-hmm. Um, i mean he 's got you know race cars it 's you know um and Gail 's a pretty incredible guy if you know if you have a chance to interview him or but um you know he'll he 'll set his mind that he he wants to go out and you know dominate some some market or set some record and he puts the resources together and just goes out and goes and goes and does it
0: so what did you help him do then
1: so there oh, we did. Oh, this is quite a couple of years ago now. But it was a uh, performance system for a motorhome. This was the interesting thing. This was a, a bizarre thing of drag racing a motorhome at California Speedway. It was kind of a surreal moment. And I, yeah. And I'm like, what, what am I was like, what am I doing with my life? Because um, obviously, motorhomes
0: are known for
1: their performance
0: on a drag strip, right?
1: Uh, it's... It goes standard. With that. It goes. I mean with it's that. the
0: first thing you ask, right? When yeah. you're looking
1: at a motorhome, how quick does this go down a quarter mile? It's it's pretty much that's the dominant criteria for selling a motorhome. Yeah. absolutely. Um and so how how did you go with the performance then of this said motorhome <laughs> down the quarter mile? <laughs> I think um I don't think we hit sixty miles an hour in the quarter mile. It, if If I remember right or the zero to sixty time in the quarter mile um trap speed were about the same okay, yeah, so I mean by the end of the quarter mile, we might have been at sixty miles an hour, but it's yeah not not impressive but
0: um but yet yeah, it's still impressive at the same time because you're still taking a motor home to a drag strip, <laughs> so in that regards it's still incredibly impressive right yeah, still still um uh, not a bad day at work, hitting. yeah, you know, what are you doing today? Well, I'm going to take
1: the old motor home down on the drag strip yeah. we're going to go so, but what I mean, what did you do to it to make it perform better there? So these were kind of typical uh, bolt-on after up upgrades at the time. Um, we were actually working; it was uh, Workhorse was the chassis maker, and we were we were um, going down a road of a, kind of a, a factory installed installed option. Okay. Um, so it was kind of you know exhaust headers, air air intake. Um, it had this one application had a yeah, horribly restrictive air intake. I think we were able to pull forty horsepower um, just by improving engine breathing on the intake side. Sure, and then so what else or what are the
0: things that you enjoyed working on then during that time
1: oh what else did we do we did um yeah i remember we did a uh leveraging some of the variable geometry turbocharger work we did a variable geometry upgrade for a, a 5.9 liter cummins engine um that yeah we put together and it it was it, it was a it was a fun project to work on um, um but it ended up you know not going to to market with it so you know, at at the time, it didn't seem like there. I guess you know, kind of you know, Gail, the owner of the company, decided demand wasn't there to to bring it to market. But it's one of those things you 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 do it, you put it together, you you know, you put it out in the market space, and you see if people bite. And you know, on this one, they didn't. But you know, it still is a you know fun project to work on. Yeah, and then so where did that take you then post? And this was, all? and then this was, you know, and then it's a little bit of a oh. A, a, yeah, departure in my career path and then there's a, a period in time where i worked for a an air, an air regulatory agency oh so that's interesting switch very, it's it's it sounds crazy so this was like a, a, yeah a government agency but within this gov- government agency they had a technology advancement office okay and the technology advancement office um was looking to uh Create more efficient or, or cleaner modes of transportation mm-hmm. so some some of this was um, you know involved uh, grant writing and girding grants and then finding project partners to develop a way to create cleaner transportation so we're so a lot of that evolved around uh, fuel sales uh, plug-in hybrids uh, or electrification of transportation um so you know it's interesting so it's an air regulatory agency but you know still involved with uh, the the automotive industry yeah of course and then I mean so what did you what did you focus on then Or what were you cased with oh that yeah, it was all, all kinds of things a lot of it was a uh, program management so okay. there's um uh, in and actually de- you know de- developing a, a a team you know and its you know in its case it's a team of companies so you've got to one okay where's the funding coming from so you've got to secure the funding and a lot of that was you know through um, programs at the Department of Energy, the California Energy Commission, or even this air regulatory agency had a um, pretty deep coffers and could, you, you know, fund part part of the program. But you you want to leverage funding, so get, you know, if there's a funding source, you'd be involved with grant writing, mm-hmm. and then finding uh, project partners. So we did a, it's interesting we did a plug-in hybrid Class Eight truck with Volvo Powertrain. Okay. Um. Um. And then kind of in the Obama era, we were doing some. Uh, Electrification of utility trucks in oh. the in the utility industry. Um, we have some applications where these these guys they would go to a job site um, and kind of you see the big bucket trucks um, and they go to a job site and they'll they'll run a you know a diesel engine all day. So here we provided an option or a system that would electrify their their work during the day, and then the vehicle would drive like a like a Prius or a hybrid um, to the job site. So it was an improvement in efficiency getting to the job site and then electrification while you're at the job site. Interesting. Um, So my role there was just kind of you know more managing the project there, not necessarily doing the work. So that's where I realized I I was really envious. Where I I would set up, uh, you know, so I would create the development contract and manage it. And part of it, I I found myself requiring design reviews. And, And it wasn't that I think it added value necessarily to the program. Yeah. I just wanted to be involved with that process, and I was realizing that I was really missing getting my hands dirty. And you know, being involved with the uh, design and in engineering.
0: And is that sort of when you decided to get back into it? You did make the switch to get back and get your hands dirty, so it, to
1: speak? And, and then uh, another, um, yeah, r- you know, random random encounter. So um, there was someone that was working here that I worked with at Honeywell and used to go mountain biking when, you know, from my Garrett days. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were uh, snowboarding in Mammoth. Um, and random luck, we we sit down and anyone who's been to Mammoth, the, the cafeteria is horribly crowded. Very, um, very crowded. Very crowded. And uh, so we sit down, you know, we're eating lunch, and I, I look up, and it's the guy that I used to work with when I was at Honeywell. Uh, you know, tens, I don't know how, tens of thousands of people at Mammoth that day, and he just happens to be sitting across to me while we're lunch. And he was working here, and that put Turbonetics on the radar screen. Around the time, I was kind of thinking that I wanted to do something else again, and, um, you know, my wife and I decided we were interested in moving out in, in this area, so mm-hmm. some, just some stars kind of came together and aligned. yeah. What's a random coincidence of so it, makes it. So then what was the role that you ended up finding? How did you come into this role or fall into this one then? oh, um, Yeah, it was just kind of the, the meeting of, yeah, th- this person at Mammoth. And they were doing a, an aviation project at, at the time and mm-hmm. seeking FAA certification. And so they, they were wanting to bring somebody on board to help, you know, with, with that process. And I think some general application engineering work. Um, and so there you know happened to be a job opening, so you know uh, applied, and you know now and lo and, and behold be, right, and yeah, lo and behold, you and I are talking here today in Turbinetics building and so with that what well, so what other projects Turbinetics have you been involved in that you managed to get your hands dirty yeah, um but yeah, probably clean, not that dirty clean clean the it 's pretty clean back there yeah, yeah that that is that is the one thing, yeah, our shop is amazingly clean yeah um and it's uh, yeah so we 've had a uh so uh, there's a business it was a business you know GE but Waukesha, so we're we're they're building you know 7000 cubic inch engines mm-hmm. you know this is you know very very much it seems not very exciting you know 1800 rpm doesn't excite anybody heard probably probably shouldn't but it's you know 2000 horsepower at 1800 rpm um it was probably one of the the bigger bigger wins that i've got cuz turbonetics was primarily in the uh, performance automotive space mm-hmm. um you know, it's a kind of a, a fun space to be able to play in. Uh, you know, from an engineering standpoint, the requirements aren't always the, the greatest. I mean, these are guys that, you know doing a quarter mile in ten seconds, and if the your product lacks, lasts twenty seconds, it's your you've met their objective. And yeah. so, with GE, they they wanted to make two thousand horsepower every day for thirty thousand hours, um, and so there you you've got to have a pretty rigorous. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of hours working on. Yeah. Make it all happen and make the magic work. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So getting getting that when I say winning that business, I was, my involvement in that was winning the business, making the technical sale, developing the product, validating it, and then launching it. And I'd, I'd call that one of the one of the bigger wins. Bigger wins here. And so I guess I've got a big question that uh, you can probably make it nice and easy
0: for me. But can you explain how? a turbocharger works or what the premise is between a turbocharger and why people like to resort to using a turbocharger to increase more power or get more
1: power as an alternative i think i, I think it was a jeremy clark from top gear explained it it was the exhaust goes in magic happens and power comes out it's something <laughs> Well hopefully you can delve a little bit deeper than Jeremy Clarkson in regards to dope going into All right. how this works. Yeah, but it but it, it almost is I, I don't know if it's that simple, but it's um, yeah, there's you know, waste energy in your exhaust. Mm-hmm. It's I mean there's a there's a ton of energy, you know, left in your exhaust, you know, just asking to to be used. Um, and on a you know, naturally aspirated engine that energy is, is just, you know, thrown into the atmosphere. So so a turbocharger, you know, captures that energy. Um, you know, if you want to call it waste heat recovery, so it'll capture that energy um, to to create a rotational motion, um, and then that rotational motion is you know transferred to a compressor stage to to pump more air into your engine than it otherwise wants wants to do. And then, so what makes a good turbo then, as opposed to a bad turbo? Oh, that that's almost like asking what makes. Uh, one person a good wife versus another. Well, let's, let's, we keep the yeah, wives yeah. out of it when you talk about turbo. Yes. I mean, what's the benefits of having certain parts or certain
0: improvements on different parts of the turbo Then that I should say can help make it either more performance
1: or more reliable over an extended period of time? Yeah. And, and, it's, and, it, and it's the, the answer is it really kind of depends on, on on who you are and what you want it to do. And that's why I kind of make the joke about the wife. It kind of yeah. depends on who you are and what you, what you want it to do. So if we if, talk about uh, which most
0: valises are, is probably the average people that are looking to do a little bit more impo- improve performance on their car to listen to this show rather than say um, looking for someone to do like a six second quarter mile I'm looking yeah. for say, the people that probably spend they probably spell more turbos too if that makes sense so obviously I'm people make the cracks about say an eBay turbo and you just buy them and put them on it but they're not as good as someone that are more expensive because they might have different parts or ball bearing or this thing that, that. what are the th- what are the differences that come through
1: yeah if it, it's interesting because I get, I get to be involved in quite a few different things here so i may answer the question maybe a little bit broader even no, than, then please than the uh, focus but because here so we we've got you know the like the the um the stationary 7000 cubic inch engine mm-hmm. that i talked about you know that's Reliability is number one, um, but then you know cost of ownership so efficiency then is is quite highest too, because they need um, to hit some performance targets uh, but then you know on the uh, another spectrum we 're working in the um, the UAV or the unmanned aerial vehicle space, and mm-hmm. I used to call them drones, um, but every t- everybody I tell that i 'm working with on a drone application, they think of the quadcopters that you, that you buy at target i 'm like, no, no, these are like the military. You know they're flying up at thirty thousand feet. So yeah. the, the the UAVs, and we've had some pretty wild ones. Where there's guys, they they the goal was to hit sixty thousand feet. On using a, a, a diesel engine um, so you, you think you know wh- okay, what okay does that guy need that's an extreme pressure ratio so we needed you know twenty two psi manifold pressure at sixty thousand feet so at sixty thousand feet ambient air pressure is about one psi so you need to go from one to twenty two that's a, a, a twenty two to one pressure ratio um, you know compared to a guy on the street you know on a normal street car maybe you're running one and a half to one um, so for you know that application it's um, you know pressure ratio capability and and, and efficiency I think you know, what makes one good versus another you know efficiency is always the always the big thing says so it's it's um and some people think well it's you know okay if it's more efficient then your discharge temperatures are, are lower and that's good and if, you know I, I hear you know not thinking about the complete system well if your discharge temperatures are low or high does that really matter because you have a charger or cooler um, and, yeah, it's still, it's still, it still it matters because even with a charge air cooler, if your discharge temperature is this high, it means you're, you're wasting a lot of power or energy create, creating heat that you don't otherwise need to, and that translates in, into high turbine inlet pressure. And then that that efe- affects your engine breathing and your re- residual gas fraction, and then, you know, your knock limit is reduced if your engine is not breathing properly and your engine performance is, is bad. So I think, you know, engine e- or efficiency is a, a winner for everybody. Um, and I can't. I don't. I don't know where the Chinese. There are the eBay turbos. Yeah, just eBay in, turbos. EBay. We don't know that they're coming from China. Or but, wherever they're coming from. <laughs> wherever they come from. Wherever they're sourced. But the eBay turbos are they efficient? I, you know, we we have. I don't know that we have test data on one, but if yeah. So. But the,
0: so um, with that being said, how obviously the the ability for uh, it seems science and engineering is moving a lot quicker these days. I mean, we're seeing cars with smaller engines. Being able to make so much more power, right? Oh, absolutely. At well, the most part, we're just talking about based in the automotive space. I mean, we're seeing regular cars that just come straight out of the factory now, with four, three-cylinder, four-cylinder engines making 200 plus 300 horsepower. It's like just a given, and that's without the aftermarket world stepping in
1: and helping them out a little bit. It's 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 really an amazing time. I mean, it's. Um... You know, there, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, when I was in college, you know, the, the target was 450 horsepower for a hot rod. Like, if you had, you know, like a 12 second car was kind of thought of as, you know, that's 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 a a decent hot, hot rod. 12 12 second car is slow now. Yeah, I mean, that's like a family car. It, it, it literally. Yeah like you could the family car have got you just drive down the track and be like yep straight quarter mile 12 seconds yeah absolutely and that, I mean there wasn't that long ago where that was considered a, a fast car so I mean we're really kind of you know in the, the golden age of horsepower with you know some of the products that are being offered when you can buy you know a 10 second car from the factory it is crazy yeah also it's also interesting when you see that uh, well obviously if you attend events like SEMA you can you talk to companies like yourselves
0: uh, they say oh yeah we've got some of our customers have their 2,000 horsepower cars just Driving around the street, driving if they want to, which the idea is just unfathomable if you think about it, having that much horsepower, that much power. How you can make it reliable to be driven on the street on
1: the regular? It it really does. So our, our general manager has a, a turbonetics product on. You know his his car, and he's putting out you know somewhere around a thousand horsepower. To to the wheels because not, obviously like seven hundred is not enough. No, you know, it's, it's, it's not enough. You need a thousand. Uh, it's yeah. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, if it didn't, it had seven hundred horsepower. It's not worth pulling out of the driveway. I mean, it was why. But I. Mean, it's even
0: worth going to the grocery store with seven hundred horsepower.
1: Yeah. yeah. but I remember we were on the freeway. It um. I'll I'll say. It made, yeah, marginally higher than the the speed limit. It's okay. It, You're in Mexico. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Yeah, so we're on a Mexican freeway, you know, tri- triple digits, mm-hmm. and he puts the pedal to the floor and lights the tires up. And I didn't know what else to do other than laugh um, because I, this, this might be how it ends. I've I had a pretty good life, but <laughs> this might be the end of it. And you're just going to end way. it with the general manager.
0: That's yes. it, right? Yes. Wow, that's good. But, Jeff, I mean, Jeff, I think you've answered all my questions, and I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk. And look, I think engineering is very, very exciting. Even if your wife disagrees with me, I think that you've been an excellent guest on the show. But I was going to say, if you have any social media that you want to share or anything like that to tell your tales of how you get to triple digits on Mexican highways, would you like to share those details or your... Social media, or anything
1: like that? Oh, see, see part of the, the engineering, the first course you take in, um, yeah, in an engineering program is uh, social deprogramming. Ah, um, okay. So you're going to mean you're going to leave it all to Reggie to share all his stuff? Yes, yes. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Re- Reggie will keep you connected there. All
0: right. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, and I really, really enjoyed spending the time talking with you through this. So all right. So yeah, well, me. thank you for the opportunity. All right. Thanks, Jeff. We're yeah, back, but this time we've got Reggie Wynn with us reggie you would say you are the man that you i mean self-expressed here you do everything here at turbinetics is what you told me
2: yeah definitely feels like that for sure man for sure um what a lot of people don't know is that turbinetics precision and mellet were all the same company so sister companies combined many years we spent on the track anywhere battling against the guys at precision but now we're one big family, so I, I help out all all brands, all the three brands. Happy I family, help out. right? Happy one, happy family. That's correct. So
0: how did you get to become a member of this happy family then, Reggie? Well, how far back do we want to go
2: here? <sighs> wow. Oh, man, we can go all the way back. I mean, back to where I was a customer at one point. Um, so at the time, I was living in Simi Valley, and I was working a job. In Woodland Hills, where I was um, selling cell phones. Okay. So I was doing them for various carriers. It was a reseller. We sold them for um, Verizon, AT&T, Nextel, all the different brands. And I had a coworker at the time who wasn't too successful at being able to pitch in to sell Nextel, and he wanted someone to come with them, and someone that would be comfortable talking to a turbo company, which – Back at that time, this was like around 98, Mm -hmm. 99-ish. At that time, I had just um, got an SR20 DET swapped into my Nissan 240SX. Okay. So you were living the dream at that time. Living the dream, man. I mean, that was like... that. I mean, that to me is still the pinnacle for me. For me, that's that's why I'm here right now at this job is because of that car. Yeah. You know, like, it goes all the way back to playing the, the video games like Gran Turismo or mm-hmm. Tokyo Extreme Racer and, and playing the game and seeing your car on the game and then seeing the engine and, like, why isn't this engine in my car that I have in the U.S.? Why, why have you got a truck engine, basically, here in the U.S.? Exactly. You got a KA24, you're like, why? So... You know, again, back in '98, '99, the internet wasn't as popping as it is now. Mm -hmm. So I started searching around, looking for you know SR20DET, and just seeing there have been a couple guys here in the states that did the swap. And I was like, reached out to them, and luckily one of the guys was local and had a shop help me in Orange County do the swap. And yeah, I mean, the first time driving a turbocharged—I'll call it performance. I mean, even though it's a four-cylinder performance vehicle. I mean, Still it's performance. Yeah. I mean, my heart, like I, I was like shaking. It was like getting off of a roller coaster. I was like, dude, I want more. I mean, I can, um, it's like a drug, mm-hmm. you know, like once you go turbo or you, any performance like that, once you get a little bit of, you're going to always want more, you're going to go more and more and more. So, you know, back to my story about, you know, helping my buddy at the cell phone company. He's like, Hey, the guys at Turbonetics, they're thinking about going Nextel. I don't feel comfortable selling Nextel. Can you come with me and help me? I was like, yeah, for sure. So I came and I met Brad and a few other other key guys here and, you know, they ended up buying nextels from us and stayed in contact with Brad and, you know, I ended up buying him some some silicone hoses and stuff back then. There's some little stupid odds and ends that I needed. And we'll fast forward like three or four years after that, I ended up quitting that job and I went to go work for Verizon Information Services doing yellow page advertising. Okay. Man, I, I hated that what job. What you tell me is
0: obviously just when you tell you yellow page advertising sounds incredibly exciting.
2: Oh, I, I still have a lot of friends to this day. They'll probably listen to this podcast that I used to work with. But, man, I'll I, I tell you right now, I hated that job. It, it was the worst. And um, they had a, a point to where they they wanted to, l- like, let people go. They had they called like a voluntary separation package. Mm-hmm. So, basically, they said, you know, hey, come in at Friday – and you could sign up at 5 a.m. You know, it was local time, so you know 8 o'clock East Coast time, and you you could um, take advantage of this package. So I figured out what my number was. What you know, they're going to pay me, you know, a lump sum plus I get a year of medical, and I got to do unemployment. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I showed up at, at, at five o'clock in the morning. Mind you, I didn't have to be at the work till eight, and I, I clicked I, I clicked accept right at five. That's how bad I wanted to get out of that job, man. It was. You were first in line. I was first in line. I didn't want them to say, hey, you know what? Too many people signed up. I was first in line to to sign up for that. And, you know, that year went on. And um towards the end of that year, uh, during that year, I was coaching girls softball at the local high school there at Pacifica High School. And um, ran out of money. <laughs> and the Turbo in my 240 went bad. And I was like, man, I need a Turbo. And went to go talk to Brad and, and the guys here at Turbo. And I said, hey. I need a, I need another turbo. Um, can I work in a shop to work it off? Um, whatever it takes, I'll do whatever. Sweeping floors, whatever. So they brought me on, and I was working in, in the Spearco department. And for those who don't know, Spearco is the intercooler arm of Turbinetics. So they do a lot of performance racing intercoolers and whatnot. And my plan was literally just to, just to stay and to pay off that turbo. Um, my plan was to go. On to be with the LAPD, that was what the goal was, and I guess I'm still paying off that turbo, man. <laughs> it was one
0: expensive turbo. <laughs> yeah, it
2: is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. The LAPD thing didn't work out, but I'm a big believer that you know everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, and um while I was working, you know, being a grunt, one day I, I, I forget there was like guys away at the track, and the guys were called out, called out sick, and they had no one answer the phones, and they go, "Hey, you could you do sales? You could do phone stuff." Oh, yeah. So they threw me on the phones with a catalog, and I was sitting there filling in all these phone calls, and and I never went back downstairs after that, man. I mean, I was, you know, started off doing customer service, and, you know, up until my year now, year 15, I've been here 15 years now, and I do, you know, handle sales and marketing for for all all three brands.
0: And so in the, that 15 years, how have you seen, the, or what have you do change, or what's the company done and changed in those 15 years?
2: Um, I've seen us go through a couple of hands of different owners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's, that's probably that's been probably the, the most challenging part because different people run things a, a different way, so you've got to be really versatile in understanding how corporate America works at times. Mm-hmm. Um, there's good and bad on, on, both, on both ends. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey.
0: And then, but what have you been as working in like the sales and marketing things? What have been the highlights of the marketing plans through those 15 years that have stood out to you that you've enjoyed working on or enjoyed doing, I should say?
2: Yeah, for me, I think the best, my favorite things are like the social media aspects of of the business, you know, helping out on on the social media pages. Um, Also, and and, and don't judge me for this, I'm going to just confess, I love working with the guys for Fast and Furious. And I, I know the hard car Car guys can't stand those movies, or they're not really into them. But I mean, for me, it, it's fun. It's it's just it's a different gear that I get to go into and, and help those guys out whenever they call and say, "Hey, we need a turbo for this. What do you suggest we, we do?" And, and and that whole bit. So,
0: so can you explain a little bit more about some of the cars that you have helped them with then?
2: Yeah. So the last one and Fast Eight, um, we did the the first scene when they raced the the, the what was that the fleet? I forget the word with the. So when they raced in Cuba, the very first scene in the movie, when they he pulled the the vacuum line off the back of the the wastegate and was in went to a crazy boost. We helped out with that one. We helped out with uh Tokyo Drift as well, the Mustang that had the R B twenty six swap. Yep. We did that. Um I'm trying to draw on some blanks here. There's uh, different other vehicles that we've helped out in in that in that series. It's just the guys are here locally here in the valley that that built these cars. Actually, we did Hobbs and Shaw, now coming to, coming back to me here, Hobbs and Shaw, um, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, we did one we of his, the hero um, truck in that, in that movie as well, so.
0: And it must be pretty good when you get to see it on the big screen. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. This last one, the Fast 8, I was like so nervous and everything, because like, I, I didn't want it to come off too cheesy, you know, like, but, you know, they did, they did, us, they did us really well. I mean, it's, a lot of people say, oh, that's a, I saw that on, on the movies, and to this day, I get guys who are wanting to replicate the Supra from the first course, uh, Fast, right? and, Fast and Furious. You know, people like, I want to get that T sixty six turbo, even though you don't even see the turbo in the movie, man. You's, you see a shot of parts on the on the on the ground, but they think that stuff went into the car. So people are wanting to replicate that. Um, also, the R thirty four GTR, the, the one I forget which Fast it was. There's a lot of them. Obviously, there's like going to be nine now. Um, the one where it, it blew up in Mexico. And it, it said turbodetics right, and on the intercooler, people get here. They call here and they want to buy that intercooler for the for the R thirty four. So is that,
0: has it that had generally a conversational go when you're like on sales, like, can I get the turbocharger or the intercooler from the R thirty four? And fast yeah, 30? yeah, it, and we you have to be like, wait, that's the part, and you have to like scroll through and then pick it out and be like, yes, this is the
2: one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's it's really it's really cool to work, to work with these guys. Um, we did. We did some stuff with them on a the new one, the Fast Night that's coming out. I don't I don't know if it made you know, if it's gonna make the cut, but we'll see, you know, fingers crossed. Well hopefully. And yeah.
0: then what else uh, I mean, what are some of the project cars that you've worked on during the summer? Who have some of the partners that you've worked with or created on worked on builds with that you've enjoyed or had the pleasure of working on during that time?
2: So I have a I have a list of people that I really, really love working with and I mean I know your a lot of your listeners may know these people. The first one have to be B C and Heady over B C Moto. Mm-hmm. Um, Two wonderful people. Yeah, great people. I I, I love them like family. Hetty and I we always go at it all the time. Like, uh, you know we we're, we're like brother and sister. We even just start cracking back on each other. Like I say, Hetty, is your head so big? And I'll make comments on her posts on her social media pages, and people start attacking me because they don't really understand our, our humor or how we go at it. But you know, seeing comes come from being the, the known known as the Honda and A guy to yep. being the Porsche. Turbo guy, it, it's, that that's, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's really amazing. The other person, um, is Tina Pierce. Tina Pierce, um, she was on the Street Outlaws. She's amazing. Her and her husband, Tina and David, they're great people to work with. Very appreciative. I really like working with people that I can build a really good relationship with. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationships and being a, a man or a woman of your word. Yep. Um, like I can literally call her and say hey I'm in town I need to stay at your house. It's that type of relationship, you know. Um Kyle Mohan is another one that comes to mind. I mean, I've been working with Kyle for the last It's been over 10 years now. Um mm-hmm. uh, he's he's in f- formula drift. Yep. Uh, Mazda guy. Uh same thing, really cool guy. F- uh family oriented. Incredible driver. Great driver, Very exactly. Talented. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: he doesn't he also do some work at the Porsche Experience Center as well, I think. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I mean Kyle's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, just being able to have a relationship with these people is, is it's it's priceless, you know. Um, let's see, who else? Asian and Farm Truck, I, I got to mention those guys. I mean, you see these guys on TV, you you think it, cha- it, it changes a lot of people, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it, it goes to their head. Not But these people I'm telling you right now, they're still down to earth. It's still, the people that you know I, I knew before they had all the fame.
0: I will have to say that I really enjoy watching Asian and Farm Truck when they go down under to Summonats, yeah, and interact there. I mean, they just look like they're having such a blast all the time,
2: yeah. I mean, they, they will go out of their way because the guy organized all the autograph signings that we do at SEMA or PRI, and just seeing the people come and wait in line to talk to them, and they want to, you know, I only schedule them for an hour. And sometimes they're they're there an hour and a half, two hours because people are still wanting to to meet them, and they're they're okay waiting and and just talking to people and greeting them. I mean, it's just they get it, you know. They understand that they wouldn't be where they're at right now if it wasn't for the fans. Yeah, um, yeah, that's 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 just how they are. One other cool guy that I do want to mention is is um, Adam Shear. and you might know him by the WW, WWE name Braun Strowman. Oh, okay. Um, He's a car guy. Yeah. Super car guy. I mean, it's crazy grand national builds, and he has a Supra. He's also another really cool, down-to-earth guy. Didn't let all the fame get to his head. He still wants to drive fast cars and, and do bad things, you know, so.
0: And by bad things, you mean everything on, a like, a, a legalized track? Yes, yes, of course. Limits. of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. That's the only time anyone wants to do bad things. Yeah. right? Yep. Uh, and so... Um, with that being said, I mean, what do you drive then? Wow, good. Since, you, since we, we talked about your 240, I'm guessing I have a feeling you don't drive the 240 anymore.
2: I miss that car. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a Nissan guy from from the high school days. So I'm going to date myself here. I graduated high school in '92. Okay. So that was like that
0: makes you 22, as far as I can see here in maths.
2: Yeah, yeah, my, my, yeah. My I'm, maths is perfect. I'm not, so I'm not a math major. Yeah, 22. Yeah. Let's let's go with that. So at that time. You know, you had the 240s that just came out here in the States, Mm -hmm. and then the Z32 that came out. Yep. And you will see that, I will see that all the time, right in the bus, like, dude, one day I'm going to get one of those. Mm -hmm.
0: You read the magazines. Yeah. Because in 92, there wasn't much internets going on. Yes, exactly. So you would be waiting every month for a new magazine, (laughs) or just at the supermarket, just taking them all in. Mm Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, you
2: didn't need to buy them, you just need to look at them, right? Yeah. I mean, people don't realize that, I don't know how, what do people do these days, but I look at magazines, sometimes for the tech stuff, but mainly for the ads. Yeah. I mean, that's it, right? <laughs> just to see what people are offering or just to get my, my juices flowing. I mean, the only way I was able to afford to pull off to do that SR20 swap, which was pretty expensive back then, it was like eight grand. And you're talking about a guy in his 20s. How are you going to come up with that type of money? Was I I literally printed out an image of that engine, posted it to to my desk right on the board. I got a bracelet that was like that candy red. I was wearing it every day and I was looking at it as I'm picking up the phone calling people to see if they wanted to buy cell phones. Yeah. And it paid off. You know, I'm just like if you focus well enough, you know, you could you could achieve your dreams. No one can stop you. I mean, the only person that can stop you is yourself. Now, back to your to answer your question though. I've had a lot of cars, man. I've had a lot of cars, but I I'm proud to say that I finally achieved my dream and got my dream car. Oh, and my, that is, um, that I have a um, two thousand fifteen Nissan GTR. And so, what do you enjoy so much about your twenty fifteen GTR? <sighs> what don't I enjoy about it? That's probably a better way to look at it. But um, the car is amazing. It's a beast. It's a. I, I daily drive it. It's not like a, it's not. I don't just baby the thing. If you look out the office right, out right now, it's out there in the parking lot. I mean, I I, I drive it daily. I drove it to the 49er game up in San Francisco. So from here, stopping off at various stations that sold E85. Um, I met a really cool um, shop or guide, Ronnie Diaz, over at RD Engineering in Oxnard. He's kind of like my go-to guy for, for GTR stuff. So he's the guy for my tuning, any mm-hmm. other, the work I need to get done. And I, I mean, he's phenomenal. Like, you know, my next mods are going to be done. I'm going to do his RD800 um turbos on it and get 800 horsepower but all-wheel drive power it's hard to beat that man i mean it's it's pretty cool to be able to just roll around the street and know that it's going to take a pretty serious beast to be able to take you out if that makes sense
0: a quick question though i mean and in, in talking to jeff he said that someone here the general manager had a thousand horsepower camaro
2: oh he doesn't even want to trust me yes that's true we no, have, I'm just
0: asking, is there, like, there's, obviously you would settle this at, like, Irwindale in a drag strip of sorts, maybe, or a racetrack like Willow Springs, but is there any competitive nature between you guys here, Yeah, in, within the family?
2: Yeah, there is, there is, and I will admit, because they're going to call me out on this, there's track days, they they go to Laguna Seca once a year. I got my car back in August, and the trip was, like, the next month, that I, I didn't go. But that 1,000 horsepower Camaro is not going there, trust me, it's not. That's a straight-line car, and I'll tell you right now, Brad Lewis, you don't want none. You know this. That Camaro will lose. 1,000% will lose against my, my, my GTR. No no questions asked.
0: So basically you're saying there is a little bit of competitive nature within the office there?
2: Oh, there, there's a lot. I mean, there's a guy here who has a few BMWs. He's always talking junk. We got a couple other Camaro guys. I mean, we're just walking around the office here. The guys will just be talking some type of madness, but... The day I rolled up on my GTR, that's when things got kind of quiet. So, <laughs> so people, people, they don't, they don't want the smoke, as they say. They, they do not want the smoke. But
0: I mean, so it sounds like you, you enjoy working here in this role with this company, and then the role that you've managed to find yourself in, right?
2: Yeah, I, I do, and it's just kind of weird—not weird, but imagine working a job that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. that something that you're into. Like half the people that go to work there in accounting, like how can you really be into numbers? You know, like. Some people might be. Yeah, some people are, but I mean, yeah, you know what I'm I'm getting to say. I get the the worker job that people call me and they want to get their stuff to go faster and they want me to help them to make their car faster.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's. And you get to help them do that. I get to help them do that. So, as much as I hate, I'm going to go on record and say this this whole LS into 240s, LS into Miatas, LS into everything. Dude, a little part of me dies every time someone calls me and that's hey, what turbo do you want to – can I put on this LS to put into my my RX-7? I'm like, oh, no. It's just, you know, it is what it is. I mean, those LS turbos are awesome. They are number one sole turbo right now would be anything LS-related because I guess those engines are, are pretty affordable and, and they and make they some make, serious power.
0: They make good – and I think the other thing is that they are – reasonably priced well to work on and anything that's associated with them right
2: yes yes but that still doesn't change the fact that a little part of me dies every time I understand every every time I get that phone call I can feel it I'm just like no man no (laughs) <laughs> and you're
0: like, look, you know, there's a SR20DET swap somewhere in your life. You should do. <laughs> you know, you should do this.
2: That thing is like a needle in a haystack these days. I don't see m- very many people doing SRS anymore, man. No, there's none of them. I mean, yeah. I
0: think it's I, th- I think it's unfortunate because I think it's an older engine.
2: Yes. Which makes
0: it difficult, and then obviously it'd be I mean, how when was the, when they last manufactured? I mean,
2: I want to say it was ninety eight, ninety nine. That was yeah. for the S fifteen. Yeah. So I'm saying yeah. it's a
0: twenty year old engine now, and I think technology just moves on and moves past it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, there's more people want um, – they don't want to buy parts for it, so it makes it more expensive to do.
2: It's kind of hard, man. Like, you know, one thing I, I you, you asked me earlier about kind of things that I see changing is – and not to offend anyone, but people don't want to pay for good stuff anymore. Yeah. They just want to – They just want to go fast, and if it means it's, it's you know, half the price, they're going to throw it away and buy another one, and just – that's – that's one thing that...
0: I mean, uh, well, I just talked to Jeff about that earlier, about the idea of eBay turbos. Yes. Whereas they're obviously cheaper, uh-huh. and they get shipped and delivered right to you, and they can give X amount of power, but maybe the reliability is not there, or maybe the build quality is not there. Correct. So it must be a challenge.
2: Yeah, it is a challenge, um, because there, in my opinion, there's more people who want to be economical than be crazy like myself, where I would blow a whole paycheck on my car and, you know... But I, I I get it. Everyone just wants to – they want to they wanna have their cake and eat it too, you know. So mm-hmm. does it make it right or wrong? I mean, who who am I to judge?
0: I guess it just means – I always look at it as I'd like something reliable so I can spend more time doing stuff with it rather than having it permanently offline most of the time where something's always broken
2: Yeah, correct. And, oh, man, one of the – so here, here – welcome to my world here. This is where people call me. I got an email today. A guy wanted me to identify a turbo. That's not even a Turbonetics Turbo. Wants me to identify it for him because he bought it and it was a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my life. That's my life. Or, you know, they'll buy a, a Turbinetics Turbo at a garage sale. Oh, it's a good deal. It's like, what does it matter if it's a good deal if it doesn't fit? I wear a size 13 shoes. That's like going to a swap meeting and seeing Jordans in size, size 10. Yeah, you know, like it's hey, a smoking it's deal. It's a smoking deal, but I can't use it because I, I mean, I have
0: to cut my toes off. But I'm in them. <laughs> yeah, I cut my toes off. I might need them. I don't. I can always put. They're in the fridge or freezer, I should say. I can always put them back on eventually. <laughs> but at the moment, I'm good in my my size 10s.
2: Yeah, I mean, I tell people that all the time. It's like, hey, this is the phone call you want you want to make before you make that commitment financially, and. Yeah, people they, they don't they don't get it. And they they get mad at me for pointing it out to them. But so
0: speaking of that, then what are the tips can you give someone that's looking to do like a turbo swap or buying a new turbo? I mean, what are the questions they or what should they be looking
2: for in a new product? So one of the things that will get us also a little aggravated, I mean, the guys here on the phones is when people call here to say, "Oh, I got shaft play." What does that mean? I mean, yeah. When you wiggle the shaft, there is going to be shaft play, regardless of if the turbo is brand new. Like a, a ball bearing one, to have less shaft play than a than a journal bearing one. But you just want to, when you're inspecting it, you want to make sure that you can't move the shaft to make the wheel touch the housing.
0: Okay.
2: So that's that's one thing, um, and that's both on the compressor and the turbine side. Okay. The other thing I I wanted I want to make sure and get out there really really important is oil drain setups. Um, I see a lot of guys still using RTV, like the gasket maker. They'll use the gasket and the RTV. And what people don't realize is that when you tighten that, that flange up with that gasket and the RTV, it's just going to go inside and start building a gasket inside. It's going to restrict the, the oil drainage back into the pan. Mm-hmm. Um, if that happens, then people start getting oil out of the the rear piston ring or what people call seals. Yeah and turbo start to smoke and all oh, my seals are gone. No, your seals aren't gone. You can fix this still. But if you continue to run it like that then they will go. Um Yeah, that's those those items there are probably the most overlooked items when it comes to turbocharger maintenance or just making sure that making sure you got it hooked up correctly. The other one and this is also a big no-no is the oil drain when the hose comes out and it goes you need to make sure that it's not going below the oil level, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that when the, when the hose comes out and where it's tapped into the pan, if the oil goes above that level, that's not a good oil drain because the oil is just going to back up because it has nowhere to go. Yeah, it's not pressurized out; it's just all gravity-fed out. So it's just going to back; it's going to go back up to the turbo and look for a way to get out, and the path of least resistance is going to be that rear that rear piston ring or rear, rear seal there. So you want to make sure the oil drain level is above. The oil level and and the pan.
0: Okay. See, these are all good points, right? You need to spread the gospel out. I,
2: I try, man. I, I try because I know how frustrating it is when you, you spend your hard earned money on these on, on turbos or or anything, and and just these simple things that you could do just to avoid it. You know, like making sure you have at least a dash ten line going to that to that drain. So important. You know, you want to have the the biggest drain as as possible. Um, and also, when you're going back into the pan. You want to have a straight or 45 fitting, mm-hmm. not a 90. And You got to keep that at least, you know, three-quarter inch diameter. But if you have a 90, that's a harsh turn, right? So it's the same thing. The oil is going to back up because it has that harsh turn. So yeah. you get away with a 45 or straight, 90s are a big no-no.
0: Okay. See, these are, these are things that the blisters want to hear
2: about. I'm trying, man. I'm no engineer like, like Jeff. Jeff was probably one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with. But, yeah, I, I try, man. Well, I try.
0: I think that Jeff wants to come back so he can talk more about engineering is what he said. He's like, James, I need to come back because I want to explain more into the weeds and as much engineering as I can go.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen to this guy talk. I mean, it's like I'm sitting there and writing down words that he used. I'm like, bro, what does that mean? <laughs> I was like, you got to give us a word of the week or the other day, you know, like. Yeah, Jeff's a really cool really cool guy. I look up to him a lot, and I'm sure I'm going to learn even more from him coming up here in, in the next few years here. So,
0: But he did say that you were the one that I should talk to about all the social media for the family here. So where should people go if they're interested in following on social media or finding out more information? What's the information that we can tell the listeners?
2: So for Turbinetics, it'll be Turbinetics INC. Mm-hmm. So Tur- Turbinetics Incorporated, I'll be um, both on Instagram and also Facebook. Precision Turbo dot um, net or dot com is the website for precision turbo and it's precision turbo on instagram and also facebook and then what about if people want to follow you and your gtr story yeah so if you're gonna follow me i'm just gonna give you heads up you gotta like gtrs you gotta like food and you gotta like fishing so um
0: look i think that's they're all great things i mean fast cars food Fishing it's the three F's, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So what do you want more in life than the three Fs? <laughs> That's good. Um I can think of another F, but we can't we can't use that we can't use that on on the podcast we here. We don't but.
0: want you fighting, Reggie. We don't want yeah. you fighting no, Leave that to your WWE <laughs> friends. That's what I think.
2: Yes, so you can follow me. Um it's very simple, it's Reggie Win. So it's R E G G I E W Y N N and follow me on Instagram.
0: Reggie, well, it's been fantastic. I really appreciate you sitting down and taking the time with me and talking.
2: Thanks for having me, James, and I appreciate you coming down, man. No, no, thanks for
0: everyone the family here for having me. So, and again, as always, guys, thank you always for listening. If you've got any requests, please pass them through to me at No Breaking on Instagram and Facebook. And until then, guys, we'll uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>